Jock Reynolds, Supercoach Podcast. I am Lek Dog. We are recording on Monday night after the Geelong and Hawthorne game, and I'm joined by Damo. How are you? I'm good, Lek. How are you, mate? I'm fantastic. We'll talk all about Supercoach shortly, but I've got to introduce Clarkie. A pleasure to have you on. It's wonderful to be here, uh, direct from the ISS, because I'm in fucking space. Uh, 3-0 and for the Melbourne boys. That's a good result. I'm having a good time. <laughs> Miracles do happen. Obviously, we're not going to talk about the Carlton game because Damo's on the pod and we don't want him to be too sad. But you know what we can talk about, Damo, that'll make you feel good? Super coach, and, and how are you traveling, my friend? I thought we were supposed to talk about things that'll make me feel good. <laughs> All right, so not go- not going super well there, Damo. What, are you- what troubles you this season so far? Oh, everything. I tried to be as guns and rookies as much as possible, and that definitely was not the play for this season. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it was. Uh, I had some luck in the first couple of weeks avoiding the mid-prices that didn't fire, but then they have gone bang in round three, and we'll talk about them. It's it's not too late to jump on. Clarky. before we get into the specifics, How's your team traveling? How are you going? How are you vibing this season so far? Yeah, I I think I'm probably in a very lucky bracket where I kind of have potential to do better. Um, I've been hurt a lot by some underperforming premium uh, players recently, but I'm sitting currently rank 5,000, just, just outside the 4,000s. Um, so I'm pretty happy with where I am. I'm sort of just pushing through with 2100s 2200s around that mark so definitely room to go either way so i'm pretty happy with how it's all turned out at the moment to be honest yeah i think it's worth noting that it's a very long season i know a lot of people have had to burn through a lot of trades and there is a couple of injuries that we'll talk about as well which are going to force trades as well generally historically this is the round where we hold fire patch told me to tell everyone on the pod he said hold fire Round three, there's not going to be many players on the bubble. We don't jump off our primos too early, but he's not here, and I reckon we're going to advise the opposite as we go on. The first thing I want to do, fellas, is talk uh, Hayden Young. Damo, obviously, went down with injury. We can't hold him if we started him. What are the options we have as a replacement for him? Um, Heath Chapman is a good option. He didn't play round one, so he is on the bubble this week and scored 86 on his ga- in his game uh, against the Blues. Uh, took a lot of in-step marks. Uh, really took over that Hayden Young role after Hayden Young went off and was quite comfortable doing it. So he's the best option at 148k. Um, he's probably the main option you can go with. If you've got some cash in the bank, you could go up to CJ Jaff or however you'd say his name. Um, He has had a price rise, but he looks like he's going to be a good scorer um, for the year. 
Yeah, he's fitting into that similar mould to Jarman Impey this year. Playing in the back line was awesome today. Had some really electric moments. Pumped out a 118, backed up his 119. I'll say this off the top. I've been too precious in the past, Clarkie, about jumping on these mid-prices when they're not at bargain basement. I think you can afford to jump on some of these guys, even though they've had a price rise. These are your Taylor Walkers who's gone up 100K. It looks like the trend is going, the key forwards are back. Who knows if that lasts? At the moment it is. And yes, you're going to be missing 100K by jumping on him this week, but I don't fault anyone who does it. I mean, you look at the top 10 scorers for forwards and it's like Tex Walker's up there. We've got Harry Mackay up there. Josh Bruce is up there, which is insane, Clucky. So I don't think there's any issues with jumping on these guys a week late. Do you agree? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where if you're... You've picked another mid-pricer that hasn't, you know, we've had um, a few injuries recently with a few of those guys like Caldwell last week, um, Hayden Young this week. So, I mean, if you're jumping on those guys now is the better time to do it before they reach the peak. And then it kind of goes, well, is the value still there or am I trying to generate the cash from them? So depending on what your purpose is, I think now is the time to grab guys like if you missed Zeeble for some reason go back and grab him. He's 341, but he is scoring very well. CJ, um, yeah, if you... CJ, get him now. I think he played a very brilliant game from what I did probably listen to maybe about a half. Um, And then the end of the Cats-Hawks game, and he was his name was just popping up everywhere. So, you know, he's got the role and he's got what you want him to do. There's, yeah, there's no downside. Yeah, if you've got these guys, I reckon a Tom Phillips, a we'll talk about Lockie Neal in a second, but a Paddy Dow, a Hayden Young, if you've got these guys that aren't performing, I think move them on. There's not a heap of forwards, uh, or there's not a heap of rookies on the bubble this, this week. I think you can afford, if you've got the cash and a way to upgrade, you can go from one of your failed uh, mid-prices to one of these more successful mid-prices and just swallow your pride and don't, stress about it too much. General Saunas tweeted something today and he said, essentially, that's why you've got to have both. If you're going to go mid-prices, you just got to have them all. And this appears to be the year so far that we should have we should have really stocked up. Damo, if you've got a premium player who's underperforming, uh, who do we look at targeting is it a sideways trade or are we still going to look at generating value what are you looking at doing with someone like a a lucky neil who didn't really fire a shot again or after or certainly didn't fire a shot after half time in that brisbane game yeah and news has come out about a back scan that produced a worrying result as well for him so until we get more information about that then it's really a risk to hold on to him unless his form turns around and We've seen that uh, he does still have the scoring power, but he can't run out games because of the injury. And so sideways trading him might be the best option, but maybe you look for someone that's got a bit of a low break-even, so you're still making a bit of cash from the trade at the same time. So you could, with some dual position, you could still jump on the likes of Jordan Ridley, who is the top averaging player in Supercoach at the moment and has a break-even of 60 he's still going to make cash and he's still going to be able to get you to a point where you can say that you're increasing the value of your side. And that's really, it's super coaches is a long game. So you can't get 
too impatient with your players, but I think there are situations where it's now or never and you, and you cut your losses with some. Well, let's let's talk this. So if we're holding a Lockie Neal, maybe even a Clayton Oliver, who I know is going to get some rage trades, got held for a half, scored only 67 points and scored 57 of those after Matt DeBall went off. He's coming up against Mark O'Connor at Geelong this week, so it'll be interesting to see if he can break the tag there because it's coming. If you've got these guys, um, how do you how do you justify? Like, I can't look at my team and go, oh, "I'm trading Clayton Oliver this week," and I just and I don't know what to do, Damo. What do the people need to do? <laughs> like, is it as as much as saying, "Yeah, abandon ship now," or do we back in the guys that we picked for a reason? Lockie Neal is obviously injury induced, but a, an underperforming player like a Clayton Oliver who has had one bad game, but let's call him underperforming for the sake of argument because there's a lot of defenders that fit this category as well. What do we do then if there's no injury concern? I mean, the first thing is I wouldn't worry about players being tagged. Um, it feels like teams are going to have a negating player this year to try and reduce the run out of the midfield because the new rules have created lots of spread and it's, and some teams have been able to handle it and some haven't. And so I think a negating player to go to that ball-winning mid is going to be quite a common thing for most sides. It'll just be a case of how effective they are. Um, Mark O'Connor has sort of come from the clouds as being an effective tagger, and now Geelong is a team that you don't want your best midfielder to come up against. So if, so people who own the likes of Jack McRae and Zach Merritt and Jack Steele are going to come up against Mark O'Connor at some point and aren't going to want to deal with what they have to produce on the on the other side of a game, but I don't think a tagging, I don't think a, a performance on the back of a tag is some is a is enough reason to trade a player out. I think they have to have a, I think they have to be doing badly over an extended period of time without being tagged to justify being a trade out. Fair enough. All right, I want to switch the subject a little bit. And by the way, I do agree with you. I, I don't think Clayton Oliver is a, a trade target. I think he might get tagged again next week. Let's see what happens. But, and hopefully uh, my rambling made sense. Perform. Yeah, no, it, it, it always does, Damo. I think, um, sorry, just to touch on, I think what Damo said is the most important thing is the difference between underperforming and a down game. Clayton Oliver was tagged by Matt DeBoer, who for the last couple of years we've gone, hey, that guy will kill your super coach scores. He's a very good tagger and he's got Mark O'Connor this week. That's two weeks where there's a reason, I guess, the reason and the excuse. You know, with Lockie Neal, it's he's got injuries, he's been underperforming previously and he's suffering from a tag. That's kind of a three-strike situation. Like Clayton Oliver is going to come back to a game where he doesn't get tagged or anything like that and he's going to pump out a 120 because that's what he does because they're going to leave him unmeted. Um, but you could say for the example that I would have would be, I would say somebody, if you are a Josh Kelly owner, he is underperforming as well. So, you know, he's still pumping out hundreds, but it's kind of where you draw that economic line between Lockie Neal is, you know, now is he under 700K now or is with the price changes or is he still just over? Be under, wouldn't he? I'm pulling that up right now for you, um, my friend. He's at 641K. He lost 80K. Yeah. Break even of 212, projected to lose another 50K next week. Getting rid of him now is economically, for from my perspective, would be the best option. Um, but I think Damo kind of hit the nail on the head where it's you're not going to trade out a Clayton Oliver on the back of that because there's 
there's markings there of why that's happening and that it's not going to be a trend. Well, okay, let, let's let's talk. A couple of these gun midfielders, you know, they've had down games or looking was injured or whatever. We've talked about the the mid-price madness that is the forward line that's generating a lot of value. Key position players are scoring well. It's really good for the game. Let's cast our eye on the back line for a brief period of time. There are a lot of guys back here that we had locked in for, you know, 110 averages. Brayden Maynard, Nick Haynes, Caleb Daniel, Tom Stewart. Why are these players struggling so much in what we assumed would be rules that benefit them? Like, kick mark, why are they scoring? I mean, they're not scoring awfully. They're not pumping out terrible, terrible scores except Nick Haynes. Why aren't they performing the way we want them to, Clark? So... One of the big trends that I noticed personally, um, being a Melbourne supporter, I noticed it mainly with one Jake Lever, where it seems that a lot more there is a lot more reward for guys who are doing work on intercept defending um, and guys who are cutting off the competition rather than say like even Stephen May, um, he takes the kickouts and that's where the points you know the points are play on get a really effective kick go through. Um, but Jake Lever is scoring, you know, he scored 111 on the weekend. He turned up previously the previous week after breaking his own, rec- like his own personal best for intercept marks. And that's where he is making all of his points. So that's, that's where their defenders are really getting it from. I think so the guys like Jaden short, who used the ball really well, you know, or even Caleb Daniel has had, like I've got him in my team and he has just been butchering it lately. Um, you know, it's, it's very interesting to see that shift. Um, guys like Jordan Ridley are just absolutely killing it because he does a bit of everything, I think. Well, another guy that's been killing it that does a bit of everything is Shannon Hearn. Once again, I'm not advocating for Shannon Hearn at $505,000, but he hasn't dropped below 100 yet, Damo. You're our West Australian man. Are we advising people to jump on Shannon Hearn at 1.5% ownership or are we... Scared of him because I'm scared of him. Oh, look, his age scares me because he has had issues with his legs um, through hamstrings and calves inju- and calf in- injuries. But he does take a majority of the kickouts and he can kick pretty much the length of half of a field. And using the kickout seems to be one of the main generations of points uh for defenders in supercoach this year more so than it has been in previous years so are we advocating for him or or are we advocating against him he's an option i wouldn't go for him but i can see why people would (laughs) i guess my biggest concern from from this year so far it's not so much a concern, but I had I maybe I misread the situation and maybe I'm overreacting to three rounds, but I thought the guaranteed points were going to be in defense and we needed to st- stock up there because there's no rookies, which has been the case. But the like the top end forwards and uh, and defenders, geez, uh, forwards and mids, geez, they've been exciting. One of those guys, Damo, see, this is what we call a uh, transition to a new topic, Damo. Um, is uh, Lockie Fogarty, who you mentioned, who I love, who the one percenters, go and check out their podcast, love. Lockie Fogarty, Damo, you mentioned him pre-pod. Why do we want to talk about this man? 
I think we were so into mid-prices on players who could return to the way that they were that we didn't look at mid-prices who could take the next step. And Lockie Fogarty only went below 90 in round one when we didn't really know much about him, but then pumped out a massive score against the Dockers on the weekend. 163. He might be someone that you jump on just for the cash generation, especially with a break-even of minus 29 at the moment. Yeah, he he is a cash generation option. That's kind of why I wanted to bring him to the discussion. I don't think he's a must-have by any chance, but he was flagged by all Geelong supporters when the Blues traded for him that he is an inside mid, and we saw him attend a fair bit of midfield time or get a fair bit of midfield time on uh, on Sunday. I think it was Sunday, as well as going forward and, and impacting there. So he's one that you could potentially ride. He's locked into the best 22. He's Cullen's best tackler. He's the best recruit in the offseason for the Blues, which is surprising, and he's also got cash to uh, to generate, break-even of minus 29. We've we've talked about a lot of the cash generations so far in Tex Walker, Lockie Fogarty, CJ, Jarman Impey, Jack Zebel. There still are a few cheaper rookie price players you can jump on if you need to correct to people out there. So Clarkie, I'm looking at guys like Lloyd Meek if you wanted to correct to him, Heath Chapman, if you don't have him, he's obviously on the bubble. Stephen, uh, is it Stefan or Stephen Giro, Damo? It is Stefan Giro, but I wouldn't recommend Lloyd Meek. I would, I'd wait for team selection. Ooh, fair, fair spicy. enough. That's a spicy meatball. So there are still cheap guys that we can jump on. And then we, we're expecting Tom Highmore to come back into the side, right? For St. Kilda? You'd think so after the performance on the weekend, for sure. And then Chad Warner's another one. So this is a guy that at 228K in the forward line, we're probably not talking about him quite enough. Uh, Break-even of negative 72. He's cheaper than the guys like Impey and, and Taylor Walker and that. And is playing reasonably well. He's the 14th ranked forward for the year and is averaging 92 points. 70, 94, and 112 is looking more and more comfortable. Has been in the system a little while. I just think at 228K, it's still not too late to jump on him and ride a little bit of cash generation to everyone else. And I don't want people to get twisted about this because you don't have to trade players if if they're scoring well. Warner might be a rookie at the start, but if he averages 92 for the whole year, you don't have to trade him. Yeah, that's a good point. It's it's <laughs> he'd be a very handy F F six F seven uh, if he was averaging ninety two. I suspect he probably won't, but hell, if he does, it's it's a good trade. And I'm um, yeah, I'm, I'm more inclined to back in someone like him who's shown it so far than a like a Michael Frederick who at one hundred seventy five k I think is also a decent option. Demo a little bit more expensive, fifty seven and sixty seven. What do you see as a Frio man? He's creating a lot of the run at the moment for the Dockers because, well, they don't really have many others who are fit and available to to do so, but he's a lot more confident in his ability this year than he was last year. Last year, he just seemed to run for the sake of it. This year, he's actually doing things with his disposals and creating a threat in front of goals. So at 175K as a forward option, if you're looking for some cash gen, he's one I would like to look at. 
Boys, is there any primos that we're we're not uh, getting too excited about? I'm just pulling up the, the currently um, most traded players, and then we'll uh, continue this conversation. I mean, I think I think we touched on it a little bit before we hit record, but guy and even a little bit during guys like Tom Stewart, Caleb Daniel, Jaden Short, kind of been underperforming for what we want. Um, does that mean you jump to Ridley? Maybe uh, it's something that I am certainly looking at. Uh, just overall, but I mean, you back these guys for a reason. I think guys like Jaden Shaw and even um, you know Daniel and Stuart will jump back eventually. But um, I think I can definitely see some people trading them out for guys like Ridley this week, at least. Well, I think Ridley is a key target this week for coaches if they can find a way to get him. I, I he's certainly playing much better than Caleb Daniel, Tom Stewart, etc. I'd be hard pressed to trade them because I'm I'm kind of conservative in that, but I can understand targeting him, targeting him. I can understand targeting like a, even a Cam Guthrie at five eighty k after his huge performance today. What I am not super excited on is targeting anyone in the forward line who's a primo. So we talked about Taylor Walker. He's generating cash as a point output player. Obviously, he's like the highest average in the AFL right now. Clarky, he's not someone I want to target because I'm looking at the forward options coming back over the next couple of weeks. We've got Dangerfield coming back, who's going to have a big break even. We've got Rowan Marshall coming back, who's going to be scoring well. So I think I'm not looking to trade in a forward. I'm looking to use swing sets to bring in a Ridley or a super uber midfielder with an underperforming player. But I think I'm steering clear of upgrading in the forward line until further notice. Yeah, I'd probably, I, I would feel the same way. I mean, you look at it, it's really been the key forwards um, and even the small forwards game, like guys like Cozzy Pickett, 120. You know, Josh Bruce kicked 10 goals, 170. You know, Fogarty is probably the best option I think that we spoke about just because his role wasn't predominantly reliant on him being a forward. Um, but guys like Tex, if you want to bring him in because you think he's going to score well, that's fine. Hey, that's, that's your boat to do, but the cash gen reason is gone. So if you're going to bring him in at 400K, you're backing him in for the next at minimum six to eight, possibly until the buyers. And then if something dire happens and you need to bring it out, but. Fells, I want to throw a few names at you that I scoffed at in the preseason. Demo, I'll start with you just starting to put together a list of upgrade targets or players we might want to target in the coming rounds. The first name on that list is the 10th highest scorer for the year, Rory Sloan, who the people in the comments on the website proved once again that they're smarter than me. I said it was a ridiculous idea. And so far, he scored a 119, a 97, and a 141. Then it was Rory Sloan, a healthy Rory Sloan, returning to the uh, Rory Sloan of old. He looked good against the Suns. Um I actually think that Rory Sloan's good form could be the undoing of Rory Led in the midfield. I don't like that. <laughs> Please elaborate. <laughs> Sorry. It just felt like on the weekend, whenever Rory Sloan was doing well, Rory Led got moved around the ground and it wasn't necessarily back to defense. So 
uh, they seem to opt to have more uh, Harry Schoenberg, Sam Berry in with in the midfield with Rory Sloan and move Laird to the outside or even off the ground for periods of time. And it just meant that Laird wasn't scoring all that well and Sloan was the main man again in the middle. Well, look, yeah, that's a worry. I'm still backing in Laird to, to pump out a average of 100 plus. It's a far cry from the 110 I wanted to see, but I think he's a reasonably safe option to hold on to. Roy Sloan, I think, is equally an, an enticing option to select at just 4.3% of teams. Callum Mills, again, another guy, the Sydney Swans are flying, and another guy that showed, well, he showed once again why people were jumping on in the preseason, 154, 93, and 109. Clark is, is Callum Mills in defense, someone that we should be rushing into our team. Sydney are in a really, really hot form right now. Like it is, it is sexy the way that they're playing football and just demolishing teams. Um, and it's really good to see. Callum Mills for me is somebody who I think I'd be happy to miss. Um, cause it, and I mean, the, the scores you just read out, you know, it's like big score. You'd take that score. And then this week, you know, 109. Once again, it's kind of a, you, you take that store, uh, score. I don't think he's really, he's not setting, setting it on fire as somebody who I'm like, you need to get him in right now um, can, when you compared to like a Jordan Ridley or even, um, you know, Jake Lloyd, I think has been a little bit can, more consistent if uh, if I remember my numbers better. But And the final, the final name I want to throw at you because people have been tweeting me. They've been asking me to talk about this man on the podcast and I swore I wouldn't in 2021, but here we are. Daniel Richard, $493,000. 72 in round one, awful. 113, 122, he heard my cries. He liked my tweets. He is the GOAT. Is Daniel Rich someone we need to be targeting in our defense? He's cheap and he's sexy. Well, like maybe you need to take the stage on this one. The the floor is I love him. (laughs) I just, he plays super coach friendly football. For some reason, continuous, continually teams let him kick goals from outside 50. He's only done it once this year, but people give him the opportunity time and time again. He kicks, you know, he's had at least 20 kicks in every game. I think he is a very good option. Uh, he's getting older, but I think you know, it kind of makes me wish I stuck to my age-old rule. Don't pick defenders over 500K because Daniel Rich would have been in my team. And I would have been a very, very happy man. So I think he's a beautiful option for those playing at home. I like it. Alistair Clarkson, if you're listening, please don't drop Jacob Kaczynski, even if it's just for 20 points. Or Brett Ratton, if you're listening, please recall Tom Highmore. We need him. Well, it's funny you mentioned them. If you have a little bit of cash, you can bring in Chapman for them. But upgrading rookies that are essentially haven't had any price increases gonna sting. And it, it, I don't know, maybe we need to find some more cash to get in another primo. Maybe we should all go back in time and start six I, defensive primos. I would rather trade Tom Stewart to Daniel Rich than upgrade a rookie on my bench. Wow. I'd rather do both. Bring, you bring have in to Rich and Chapman. We don't have to trade people. That's, that's the no, big that's... thing in round three. We don't have to trade. What the the official podcast motto do as we suggest, but not as we do. 
Yeah, oh, 100%, because we're very smart, but we don't execute on that very often. Yeah, I can't wait to upgrade fan- Fantasia to Fogarty this week, only to be crushed. I just hope that uh, people aren't jumping off their premiums. I guess if there's one thing I want to get across this episode, we've talked a lot about cash gen and jumping off players, but I think continue to back in your your primos unless they've been injured or whatever because we're three rounds into a 22-round season. We've got a long time to go, not a lot of trades to cover. And a guy like Jack McRae, who had a 108, we paid big money for him. He had 108 on the weekend. He comes up against Brisbane and he's a career average of 134 against him. So it can turn very quickly. And I think we need to back in our primos. I watched that Good Friday game. Jack McRae, after halftime, he didn't have to do much. So I don't think he was doing much. You think he just rested on his laurels after halftime? What did he have? He had like, how many disposals? 33 disposals, 34 disposals, something, something like, that. like that. But most of them were handballs and he was on like 70 at halftime or something. So I really don't think he cared all that much after halftime and nor should he because they won by 128 points. Gee whiz. Well, that, that reminds me. Tex Walker's playing North Melbourne this week. Jeez. Oh, remember that? He's yeah. going to score 200. Yeah, that thing if that I said about not bringing in Dax Walker. Maybe consider it. He's going to murder Bruce kick 10, Taylor Walker could kick 15. He could wrap up the Coleman in round four. Jeez, 50 goals. Worry. I can't believe Adelaide oh. are going to kick 50 goals this week. What primo am I going to downgrade to Taylor Walker this week? I can't believe I traded Josh Dunkley to Taylor Walker because he was playing North Melbourne and then brought Josh Dunkley back in. (laughs) Oh, shit. All right, fellas. I don't know how helpful we've been, but hopefully people have enjoyed the pod. Uh, Tell us about what you guys are working on. What have you got coming up this week? Uh, Well, me and Clarkie have episode four of the mailbag um, coming out on Thursday recording on Wednesday night. So make sure people get your questions in. There is a tweet on the Twitter page and there's also the email jockmailbag at gmail.com, which they can send questions to. And if you're listening on the website, uh, drop a question below hashtag mailbag. So we know it's for the mailbag. Why not be a bit of fun? Yeah, do that. We love answering our questions and it's a good dynamic of Damo knows things and I pretend to know things. So, you know, we meet somewhere in the middle and it's a really good time. You've summarized the Jock Reynolds podcast very well there, boys. Thank you for joining me, Clarky. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Damo. It's good to be here. Peace.